Hey, strangers, welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. I know it's been a while, so I'm going to reintroduce myself. My name is Krista. With me is Kurt. Hi. Hi, strangers. And today we have special guest hosts who have been on the show once before. No, I think they were both on once before. Oh, you weren't on together? Rhonda yes. was on once by herself, oh, that was but they the were both one. together, I think, for the EVP episode. It yeah. might have been. So yeah. We were still in the old school. I've, yep, I've we were still. Times. We weren't the professional podcast that we are now. <laughs> We've come a long yeah. way. So this right. is definitely our first time recording in the, the new strange, strange cellar. cellar. The strange strange cellar. cellar. I love it. Hey, before I forget, because I still see comments from people saying, is this a show about t- taste testing? And why is there so much chit chat in the beginning? Yeah. Hit pause right now check the show notes the timestamp of the actual topic start is listed in the show notes just take a second unless you're driving don't yep. do that just I go will, to the next i podcast. will put we in what offended. time the actual topic discussion starts and thank if you, you to don't... that random person on youtube who also does that yes thank you <laughs> thank you youtube is. person whoever does that that that's uh, really sweet there will be no video this week either just no, people we are looking too many to the people videos, here but too many people here plus i don't have pants on this week oh when he's got you? his lucky podcasting <laughs> no actually i'm glad i do because it went from like hot 80 it was and like hot. high 80s and and now to it's 50s. cold oh. like last night was the first night in months that i was actually under my comforter i've just been oh, sleeping really? under the sheet just a That's sheet because it's so good. hot in my apartment last night it was like freezing yeah we went from having the ac on in the house to having the heat on within yep. a day do you guys know a little side note here that um uh the younger generation they don't even use top sheets anymore i don't really Ooh, really? Seriously? Generation? I feel like, yeah, the, so the flat sheet, yeah, it's, I fight with it all night. So I actually just have the fitted sheet, my comforter, and then I put the flat sheet on top so that if Lucy jumps on my bed, it protects the comforter. Oh, see, that's smart. what I have. I was always fighting that's, with the flat that's sheet. That's what I have right now is the flat smart. sheet on top because I've been sleeping under that, but last night it felt weird not having the top sheet. Oh, I just had the comforter to on top. I don't know. I'm a no. I'm a top sheet kind of guy. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. I always I've was. started a debate. Welcome to welcome to welcome to betting talk. Welcome okay. to betting let's, talk. Let's talk about toilet. Started <laughs> as weather talk and now it's betting talk. Oh, shout again, out, guys! I... Skip this, over this if you don't want to listen to it. This is what we do. This is what our our little group does. Yeah. You know, we exactly. totally, yeah, we're gonna totally we're gonna probably go digress topic. a lot in this a episode. Lot. So this like is a five very hour good, episode. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> I love gonna, it when he talks French. I'm gonna get into this a little bit, but th- this is gonna be a two part episode. We're going to release the second part next weekend. Unless you're a Kofi subscriber, you're gonna get both parts this yes. weekend. But I want to give shout outs because I kind of have a lot of shout outs. So our newest strangers who joined the Facebook group are Ben Vergen, Jason Osgood, Amber May Miller, Sophie Bergeret, and Emma Smith. That Jason and a couple Osgood people, name is familiar to me for some reason. Yeah. A couple other people uh, joined yesterday, but I didn't oh. get their name in the notes yet, so you guys will be in okay. next week. But I also have to give some special shout-outs to students that have been listening to the podcast, and those students are Jackson, Bentley, Jersey, Isaac, Peyton, Esme, Ace, Kanila, Matthew, Aiden, Kamani, Lily, Adriana, Anna Marie, <laughs> Bristol, Maddie, Grace, Miraji, Mila, we'll Jade, Mila, <laughs> Mila, Jade, Lucy, and I want to give a huge special shout out to student Brenna who has listened to every episode. 
I feel like you could have just listed the students who don't listen. I, I probably would have been better <laughs> off. But, but Brenna came to me and said Ooh, she has listened so to every episode. Well, thank you guys she, for listening. She wants a hat. So okay. we're going to get Brenna a hat. That is such a fantastic segue into this topic about hats. <laughs> so guys, we have hats. Um, we have two dozen hats. They are very similar to the ones that you would have seen in the video that we posted a few weeks ago. The the um, embroidery, like the word strain sessions is just a little bit bigger. But now we have, I think there's a dozen black hats, and then we have a dozen assorted colors. So pink, there's like two of each color. My mom already bought a pink one, so there's one pink. Um, there's like dark blue, light blue, tan, dark green, a maroon, I think. Um, but they're all going to get posted to the Kofi website. So if you want a hat, they're $25. You can just go to the Kofi website and order them there. Same exact hat. So same good quality. It's got that adjustable yeah. band yeah, in the back. Yeah, they look like nice hats. Yeah. But I'm going to pick one of those up for Brenna because she cool. really wants one. So students, thank you guys for listening. I, we were talking before we started recording how weird it is. Like when I'm down monitoring for breakfast at school in the morning, I'll hear my voice coming from different parts of the room because students are listening <laughs> to the podcast in the morning. That's cute. So thanks. I love my students. Thank you guys so much for listening. They're like half of our listenership. <laughs> I, think they, right now, I think they are. Do we have any other... Do you guys want to give shout outs to anybody? Um, yeah, well, I just, you know, hello to all of our family and friends and some of Curdy Kurt's students are some of my former students. So hello yep. to those guys. Yep. And... Your daughter might be on with us for the next episode. Yep. And then we'll have Devin early season Next season eight. and Blaine. Season we have to, eight. yeah, we have to have Blaine on too. Yeah. And Blaine, if you're listening, I think he was, he part of that whole thing at Glen Beulah. That's his team, right? Well, he helps there. I don't know if that was his team, but he helps there. So like sometimes. Jason Hawes was there. Adam Barry was mm-hmm. there. Like they had the whole paranormal conference that I wish we could have got in on, but we just, I don't know. They already found are, out have, too late yeah. and didn't get our butts. In we got to get there next year. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I agree. Anything else? Do we have any housekeeping? Nope. I mentioned the hats or caps. Sorry. The caps. Some people call them caps. Yeah. I call them hats. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the only housekeeping I have written down is that there's going to be a second part to this. The first yeah. part is going to be history and the second part is going to be evidence of our investigation. But I'll talk more about that when we delve into the main story. But do we do the taste test? Let's do the taste test. All right. There's a good one. Oh, great. And one oh, that boy. I'm not sure. Are they both beverages? No. Okay. One's a beverage. One's a candy. Which is the good one? The beverage. So we're going to start with the, the beverage. Let's do the candy first. No. Let's <laughs> no. do the candy first. You need the beverage to actually, wash the bad no, one down. Actually, that's a really good idea. <laughs> so this was given to me. I'm putting my foot down. I believe my, I believe it was like, I think this was given to me by Stephanie, my, my cousin Stephanie's kids. Oh, okay. I think. They're the ones that got us this. I think they got us both of these actually. So we're doing the nasty one first. It might not be nasty. We're it's do just the nasty very. First. It's just very. Con- <laughs> it's just very confusing. Okay. Oh, great. It's confusing. <laughs> I figure either way we can wash it down with something that hopefully oh, tastes God. good. This and is then candy. That's what we'll be. This is candy. With. I'll hand it to Rhonda to hand to you. It's not like vomit oh, flavor. No. Oh, I love stuff that comes in a tin. Oh, no. Why? <laughs> what is, why? It is fried, fried chicken, chicken flavored candy. candy. Oh, that could be good. It, it might be good. Yeah. Hey, I think one of the last times you guys had me on, we were eating bugs. So That's this true. Is this is a step This is a step up from eating the insects. <laughs> oh. That is very true. We made Rhonda yes. eat bugs. Yeah. And I'm I totally very proud forgot to that. say that. You, yeah, I totally forgot that <laughs> you were there for bugs. We still have some of those in the... Our cabinet of curiosity. Once some more. They never go bad, right? No, they don't. <laughs> well, if the apocalypse happens, yeah, we have okay. a couple bugs we can eat. And other leftover taste tests will be good. 
<laughs> we got yeah, our pickle. Package. We have like three things of pickle, cotton candy down there. Yeah, but they're not oh. pickled ho- cotton candy pucks. No, they're they're, they're pucks now. They're pickle pucks. This is pickle pucks. Pickle. The word for today is pucks. Pickle pucks. Pickle pucks. Pickle pick. All right, Krista is getting the ceremonial dagger. Yeah, sorry. Apparently, this plastic is really hard to open. Wow. Did you see that? This is from Sophie and Adam, by the way. Thank you, Sophie oh, and Adam. Every time I open a package. This could be good. I I'm trying to. I, I don't know. I like your optimism. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. Would you have tried the bugs? Oh, it smells oh, like fried chicken. Then it might be good. Nice. I say I if we still have some of those bugs left, I think we should let Mark try some bugs. Everybody needs to eat Mark, a bug or two before uh, they die. Yeah, but now they're old bugs. I don't know if they were. They never go oh, bad. Wow, that does smell like fried chicken. It totally does. All right, we're passing the tin around. Here we go. Fried chicken. Wow. That's through the package. Yeah. When you get it. It's hard candy. Do we have something that we can spit this out into? (laughs) (laughs) It's not as... Put it back in here, I guess. The smell of it unwrapped is very disconcerting. (laughs) The smell of it unwrapped is very disconcerting. Hang on, I'm, I'm still like, struggling with the wrapper here. So like, I'll just need the dagger. <laughs> I, just might need the dagger. I feel like, um, is it supposed to be sweet? Is it going to be I savory? hope it's not sweet. The wrapper, I need something. She's fully anticipating oh, okay. spitting Why are you out? anticipating? I, Maybe it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, what Debbie could go Donner. wrong with this fried chicken hard candy? Ready? Fried Ready? Chicken. I want the mashed potatoes. Yeah, the mashed potatoes. Ready? Ready? Okay. Here we go. Okay. Oh, is it very, oh. is that sage? Oh no! I can't. I can't. No. Nope. That's horrible. <laughs> this chicken's gone bad. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Uh, yeah, it's a very chicken. There's a very predominant should not spice. Be I don't know what on. spice this is. I, I, and when you I breathe, feel sorry for when the you chicken, breathe out really through your <laughs> nose, you get something else that's really disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's like it almost is like the chicken's been burnt, and that's what you're tasting. Yeah, oh, this is I'm, horrible. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm done. I lasted longer than you guys, but I'm yeah, done. Yeah, you did. I'm I proud can't, of you. I can't. Yeah. Who sent us this? I don't know. This? I think I think Stephanie's. I kids. thought you liked us, Stephanie's kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> we need the green bean oh, casserole. Oh, the aftertaste. What did we ever do? It's this worse when you not. It's worse yes. when you do not have it. It's actually better when you have it in your mouth because it's gross when you. Yeah, you're the not, aftertaste hey, is this disgusting. Is a family. Yeah, yeah, this is this is horrible. <laughs> wow. Well then, okay. I'm glad we I would happily with eat that. Bugs the good again. one. You're ready for the good one. I'm ready for the good one. It sounds oh, gross, but it's not. It's soda. Oh, it's pretty. It is called alien snot. Oh, hey. but it is actually very pretty. It is actually it is blue pretty. raspberry and kiwi. Ooh, that sounds Ooh. good. Oh, this chicken is horrible. And it's cold. And it's cold. <laughs> You're not gonna make us drink warm soda. Thank Where you. Aiden? I just does not. Here, no, I'll just put alien snot, garbage. Oh. Okay. That is horrible. So I hope this is a twisty Ooh, I top. Throw mine in there too. It is sweet. Oh, we know you're saving that for the ride home. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that would. Yeah. You should you should hand the rest of those out for trick or treaters. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure they never come back here, <laughs> which is what we want. We don't hand candy out actually. <laughs> Pour a little in your cup. Oh, it was a very good idea to do the good one last. Yes, thank you for suggesting that. Because that taste, you got some in yours? No, not yet. The taste in your mouth is horrible. 
I love chicken. It was the spice. I don't buy a rotisserie chicken and eat the whole chicken by myself. But it was mostly some spice. Yeah, it should never be. It was. It was what they were trying to do to get the the fried skin. Yes, oh. yes, that really yes. threw it they off. They should have tried yes. harder. Yeah. Or, maybe, or, or just maybe not, not as hard. At all. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're even so, better. <laughs> are you ready to try Ooh, the aliens? Some things really just aren't meant to. Ready for alien snot? Let's okay. do some snot. Alien snot. Right, cheers. Here we go. Cheers. Oh, cheers, folks. Oh, sorry. Cheers. Cheers. Come on, guys. <laughs> Here you go. All right. Did we? That is good. Like, all right, good. That go. is good. It's much better. Way better than, than, much fried, better chicken than fried chicken candy. Mm. Oh, that alien snot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knew mm-hmm. alien snot would be so good? seriously is really it good. It is really good. Okay, where did you get that one? The this com- is where, this is from, I don't know where they got it. It's from my cousin's kids got it. Oh, this oh. is another one. So they gave us yeah. skills? They gave us good. I guess they okay, do they, like but this us. Is the one They've that, redeemed themselves. No, this is the one that the, what were the two nasty soda flavors we got? Because it's made by this same company. Oh. Ketchup? Was it a ketchup flavor? Yeah. Oh, that oh, was terrible. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So the ketchup one was gross. Maybe we the color of this chase. is really pretty, though. Yeah, so this is good. Right. Fried chicken candy, not so much. No. Oh, fried chicken candy out of 10? Mm, <laughs> negative two. Okay, I'm going to go with negatives negative. Negatives are allowed. I usually don't give negatives, but I'm giving that a negative two. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree. That okay. was bad. This is, this I put a nine. This is almost yeah, perfect. this is very good. I'm doing a nine, because you know, I don't like soda, so I'm never going to give it a 10, but that's a nine for flavor. I would agree. It's, it's actually not super carbonated, which is what I don't like about soda. No, so. it's really not that carbonated. Yeah. You don't like the bubbles? I don't like the bubbles. I, the bubbles. They burn. I don't because I can't burp. So I I generally which is, which I'll is, get like two liters of soda at home so and Kurt shake them up. Looking like he's pregnant after he eats the soda. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, his that's, that's your stomach. stomach does yeah, that's why exactly. my stomach. That's why my stomach's always gurgling. Did you ever did you ever found out like why you aren't able to burp? No, that's just bizarre. No, it I don't. Bizarre. I don't know. Can Corey burp? I don't think so. I don't think Corey burps. Either. I feel like we had this conversation when I feel Corey like we did too. This might be a mystery for, uh, for a future podcast, a future <laughs> it's episode. A mini mystery is why burp. Kurt and Corey can't, can't burp. Can you fart? Or? That oh. I can do. Right. If I couldn't do that, if I couldn't do that, it would be a sad state you would of affairs. Be floating around, yeah, I blow up. Stratosphere <laughs> up like, like a rocket man. You know, <laughs> I try not to during the episode. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Again, Unlike Joe. Sorry, Joe, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Did he really? Oh, all the During time. An and we episode? were locked in that tiny, yes. Uh, the tiny room at the school? With no windows that open. Well, some of the windows you could crack open, and all of a sudden he'd get this look on his face because oh, they were silent. <laughs> silent. Miss you guys. Silent island. I actually just saw them. We're having lunch next week. Oh, Yay. tell them I said hi. I will. I will. Do we have any other things to do, or do we jump into this? Let's bad jump boy? in. We're actually at 22 minutes, and okay. with, so we're ahead of schedule on the titillating yeah. 20 because we have the actually, unedited part. We are of actually beginning. doing good. Boom. All right. So as I mentioned previously, we're trying something different here. This is going to be a two-part episode because... Like intentionally two parts. Intentionally two parts <laughs> because I'm not a really good judge of how long stuff is going to go. In the second part of the episode, we have 20 EVPs Holy to listen moly. to. So that And they're but we have guest three hosts times. As well. And we have guest hosts. That's and in our second time. half, I kind of want to talk about investigating in general. Yeah. So we are doing two parts. This first part released this week is going to be history about St. Nazian's and JFK Prep. 
And the second part next week will be our evidence from our investigation there back in 2005. Dang. <laughs> it was oh, a long Lord. time ago. That was PK. But here's what I have written down. Yeah. Yes. Here's what I have written down. So here's why this episode is important to us. St. Nazians and JFK Prep are close to us. They're kind of infamous in the area, and we are one of the only groups who have gotten to do an official investigation there with the owner's permission. It's kind of a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. you know. And when I started looking into talking about JFK Prep on the show back when we did Haunted Areas in Wisconsin, I was surprised that a lot, or if not everything I saw about it being haunted kind of came directly from our investigation report that's online. That's fun. Wow. It's weird because... Some stuff I had never read before, and I think I was one of the first people to find this when I was reading the old journals of St. Nazians at the library, and now it shows up in all the stuff. So it's like, was I the first person to kind of dredge that up? So it's weird seeing our stuff given on websites as... Like a source for like where they got Like a source for why it's yeah. it's... It's haunted. That's really cool. You know, so most of the stuff that's out there about it being haunted came directly from our investigation there all those years ago. So I kind of really wanted to do this for a couple reasons. I want to have our viewpoints on stuff. And I know our our loyal listeners will will enjoy this episode, but I feel like I want to do this one for local people that Mm -hmm. are looking into stuff about JFK prep. And I want to have all of our evidence here in one place on the podcast that will always be here. Because some of our EVPs, it's like a little archive. Yeah, some of our EVPs from that night are like hard to find. Mm. I, if you, I think you can't. There's, there's still an ECWPI webpage. Really? From, yeah, yeah. There's still a blog, wow. and that's they have links to the EVPs, but they're not there anymore. Mm. So I want everything to be on here. Do you realize that was my first investigation with you guys? Because I know, like yeah. you, Kurt, and Mark. And Matt, you guys had kind of started. We did that for, place in, in Oshkosh, Oshkosh Starseed. We did yeah. Starseed in Oshkosh. And then the JFK prep. Yeah. That was my first investigation as official member wow. of the group. Wow. What yeah. a first and way oh to my start gosh. your... We're going to get into crazy. it more in the second part, okay, but okay. I, I regret the investigation, us doing the investigation when we did. One of the main reasons because Krista wasn't with us at the oh, time. Oh, totally. absolutely. You know, like, I, I wish Krista... Other than, right? Other than the fact that we would know better now what to do like it was just mm-hmm. kind of mishmash walking around like i feel like yeah, we, we didn't we did yeah we were new like i would love to do an investigation there now as oh, yeah. like seasoned investigators yeah. with krista obviously because yeah. yes. krista wasn't I with think us that, at the time that chance is past it's past yeah yeah um but yeah unless so, it comes into new ownership at some point what's the well state let me of tell the buildings too if mm. if i ever win the lottery you guys we're gonna buy it we're buying oh, that property sweet. and we are going to refurbish it and because yeah. it is a very special very 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 special yeah. place and we, we talk about it on the podcast a lot so i just wanted to devote a very special episode to saint asians and jfk prep because it's not just jfk prep there's stuff about saint asians too right. when we get into the whole how it was founded and there's so many rumors about it so i wanted this to yeah, like separate like to dispel some yeah of that. To, to separate fact fact from fiction and to have like to discuss our investigation there so this is online that people can actually go and listen to it that are searching for stuff on jfk prep does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So this is to set the scene. This is an article from medium.com from March 7th, 2019 called, quote, The Secrets of St. Nazians, Priests, Vandalism, and Abandonment. And you guys talk amongst yourself while I change my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> because I, everything was blurry. 
When was the last time you guys went to the thrift store there? Oh. Oh. Oh, we. It's how long ago was no it? a while. That's our only chance really to go back there now right. is to visit the thrift store. Do I haven't been there. It's probably been well over a year. I know. I think, Kurt, you and I had gone. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm annoyed because I really wanted to get there this last week, but with school being on. So uh, is, is the thrift store still open? The thrift mm-hmm. store is still open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went there. I know with, the last time you and I had gone, they were converting, I think, the upper floor, though, back to maybe. Yeah. Because I like went there. The, with, like where the furniture was? Spot. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. the church Asher is still under construction, right? The church, I think, is always going to be under construction. Yeah, beautiful place. It is. It really um, is. But I was there with Asher and Grayson. It was a while ago, but I know the thrift store is still open because I do drive out there sometimes. Um. So, yeah, I need to get back out there. I wanted to do it this week, but I just couldn't with school. And next Friday, I think we're off for an in-service, so I could have went next Friday. But it's been a while since I've been there, too. I want to say months. It's been over a year for me. Yeah. Jim, I think Jim and I went there together yeah. the last time. Yep. So here is the article setting the scene for this. It reads, quote, I felt a rush of excitement as I drove up to JFK Prep Seminary School in St. Nazian's, Wisconsin, with my friend Carissa on a cold Saturday afternoon. I slowed down to stare at the old building, feeling amazed and curious as I thought about various events that could have taken place there. I could see why people would think this building is haunted just based on its appearance alone. As I stared up at the four-story building with broken windows, I couldn't help but wonder what events had occurred there and if the rumors were true. What if JFK Prep and the rest of St. Nazian's itself was haunted? And what events and rumors gave the town its creepy reputation? Unfortunate events happen in multiple places, so why are only certain places considered to be haunted? I had researched this town before I arrived and had gotten a lot of background information from a website called Cult of Weird made by Charlie Hintz. In his article, Hintz states that, quote, The town of St. Nazians is believed to be one of the most haunted places in Wisconsin. It was founded by a rogue priest who, upon his death, is believed to have cursed the town he built. Throughout the years, natural disasters and numerous accounts of bizarre, unexplained phenomena have helped keep the legend alive. The rogue priest that Hintz is referring to was a priest named Father Oswald. Even though the whole town is said to be cursed and haunted, the building JFK Prep is arguably the most haunted place in this small town. JFK Prep used to be a salvation seminary, but was turned into a four-year school for boys who wanted to become priests and was renamed to JFK Prep. That's not technically true, but we'll get to that later. Hintz reports... Yeah, Hints reports that JFK Prep was rumored to be haunted not only by Father Oswald, but also rumored to be haunted by the tortured souls of kids who suffered at the hands of abusive nuns. Lutsky implies in his article that JFK Prep could also be haunted by a student that committed suicide there. He says, quote, You can also supposedly hear students laughing in the school hallways, which is credited to residual energy from all the kids who have passed through the school. The ghost hunters who explored the grounds a few years ago did confirm that a student committed suicide in the dorms, and they were even shown the suicide note as confirmation. Perhaps it takes several unfortunate events to happen in one place for that place to be considered haunted. I pulled up to the thrift store behind JFK Prep, which seemed to be one of the few places open to the public in this small and mysterious town. We got out of the car and walked into the small building. To our left was a table with miscellaneous objects scattered all over it. That's like free stuff that people can take when they come in. Like, yeah, and like sometimes bread. there's like food. Yeah, there's right. bread. Yeah. There's like food. vegetables and stuff. Right. So that's what she, that's what she's talking about here. 
To our right was a staircase going down with a piece of mint green construction paper with the words thrift store and an arrow pointing to the stairs. Chris and I walked down the stairs and we opened an old door with wood peeling up from the bottom of it. The whole place had a strange smell and the smell became stronger once we entered the thrift store. The place had dim lighting and wasn't very clean or well organized. Most of the thrift store consisted of old clothes, none of them meeting my taste in fashion. We walked around more to find old books. The most interesting of the books were a few cheesy romance novels that I like to laugh at. The rest of the thrift store consisted of miscellaneous objects such as dolls, jars, knickknacks, more things than I could name. However, I couldn't see anyone purchasing any of these objects. Hmm. I'd like to interject that I've found some nice stuff. I found a ton of nice things there. (laughs) And I feel like they're really... And I see you reading those romance stuff all the time. (laughs) I do. I do. I see... They're making it sound like we're... like. I don't know. I just don't like the to way... To me, it's a typical thrift store. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a thrift, thrift store. Are. There's right. going to be good and there's going to be bad. Right. Yeah, and they're going to have a smell. Like, thrift stores have a smell. They're like filled with musty... old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Previously owned things. I couldn't see anyone purchasing any of the objects, even though I've personally purchased something every time I've gone mm-hmm. there. Right. I wondered who these objects once belonged to and why they were given up. Were any of these old objects haunted as well? As Carissa and I walked out of the thrift store, an elderly woman told us to have a good day. I felt surprised as I recalled a previous time I had been to St. Nazian's with another friend and tried to go into the thrift store, only to be told by a woman that the thrift store was closed and we were escorted back to the road. I got the sense that she didn't trust two teenage girls to be alone near the closed thrift store and the supposedly haunted JFK prep. I remembered reading comments on websites from people who have been to this thrift store saying that the staff seemed to be on edge as if they were hiding something. Perhaps some of the objects in the thrift store could be haunted. A person named Cassidy says in the reviews, quote, I've heard about the people being edgy. She goes on to talk about how she would like to get inside a JFK prep to make a documentary, but all the people in the town aren't being very helpful or telling her anything about it. Another person that goes by the online name Risen comments, quote, have been there a few times since it was abandoned and made into a thrift store. There is clearly something going on there. I'd wager something besides ghosts and thrifting. The staff seems way too edgy and protective. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I disagree. Co- I think they're just, they're they know just, the history of They're sick of people coming in and asking. And, yeah. 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 They're very religious, aren't they? Yeah. And they're very religious. Uh, against they're, against. In the second episode, there will be a comment from somebody that works there explaining why. Okay, good. Yeah. These comments from other people that have been to the thrift store reassured me that I wasn't the only one to come across reserved employees that did not seem to want teenage girls snooping around looking for information. I wondered if my friend and I just happened to go to the store on a day a friendly employee was working instead of the private and secretive employees that others and myself have encountered before. I've never encountered that, by the way. Nope. No. (laughs) We walked over to the St. Ambrose Church next to the thrift store and looked at the broken stained glass windows that I'm sure at one point in time were beautiful. And exactly, they are. I remembered research I had found saying that this church is where the townspeople kept Father Oswald's body until his coffin was finished being built. And that's true. I looked out into the distance and saw a cemetery. This specific cemetery is only for priests that have preached in St. Nazian's and is the current crypt of Father Oswald. I attempted walking to the cemetery through the snow, but I sunk into the snow with every step, filling my sneakers with cold, wet snow. Feeling slightly defeated, Chris and I walked back to my car and I drove us to another building only about a minute drive away from JFK Prep. This building fascinates me because I still do not know what it is or what it once was. This building, however, is just as creepy as JFK Prep with nearly every window either broken or boarded up and what appeared to be a bullet hole through the side door. 
I think this is the printing building. That, yeah. Oh, so on the same property? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it a printing? minute away? I don't know. I wish that I had the background knowledge on this building, but no matter how hard I searched, I could not find any answers as to what this building once was or what it's used for now. Hmm. We walked further down the plowed path. If this place is truly abandoned, why do people bother to plow a path? I wondered. It's not abandoned. There's no. people that actually live out there. We followed the path to the next building. The building had four floors and many windows, most of them either broken or boarded up. I could only imagine that this building was once used as an apartment building, and that's the dorms, I'm guessing. There were also three cars parked in front of this building that were snowed in, no way of telling how long they've been there. We approached the last building, and once again, I had no idea what it once was or what it is now. However, I could tell that someone had been there recently. I found fresh footprints in the snow in a car that had been cleaned of the ice and snow. Suddenly feeling uncomfortable, I turned to my friend and told her that we should just go back to the car. We quickly walked back to the car, feeling slightly anxious that we might have went onto someone's property and that we were about to get ourselves into trouble. We got back into the car and I started to drive away, taking one last look at the creepy JFK prep and once again wondering if anyone would ever find out what happened in that seminary. So Mm. that's the article. I feel like, I feel like so much, much I feel like so much (laughs) of, 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 the reports of people going there are just so Mis- uh, misinformed m- and misinformed and like just trying to be scary. I yeah, guess. totally. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know how else to say it. They're not looking for actual truth or facts. No, no. But I mean, if if you didn't know better, I mean, the place is weird. It's like an abandoned high school. Yeah, an but abandoned. I was, it felt peaceful. To that's me yeah. That's one thing same. that that's one thing that I want to get into in the second part is how we all felt out there. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's just kind of setting the scene and explaining like what people believe JFK prep mm-hmm. to be, you know, and there are people that live out there now that the, the church community that lives out there are out there. Aren't and there like RVs and stuff? Yeah, even? there's the campground. Okay. There's actually a campground yeah. there now too. Um, but they do church things out there. Like I ran into one of my students out there who were on alpacas, like they had alpacas oh, out there. Oh, so, cool. I mean, they, cool. they do stuff with it. It's just that they can't, seem to get enough money to get the place back up and running like that where would they could, be quite the project it would be quite it the project very i mean that's down. stuff that jerry was trying to do when we had our investigation mm-hmm. there yeah so that that religion that isn't like a it's not a it's united kind of thing, no right? no it's, it's united ministries okay. out of green bay okay uh but no it's not it's not and that's the thing is that there's so much stuff about this cult this town yeah. being started by a cult and I, I'm going to mention it in the second part, but or it might even be in this part, but JFK Prep was actually kind of in the mainstream news a couple of years ago with the Stephen Avery stuff mm. because there was a guy named Dave Bogotka who had videos about how Manitowoc is run by like a secretive group of all the businessmen called like the good old boys. And that oh, yeah. they go to say if they go to JFK Prep to communicate with Satan in the basement oh, of the my. dorm oh, building. My. I never heard. This. Yeah, so that was like a, you know, it wasn't like part of the making a murderer thing, but it was online and people mm. are. It, it was like a, a secretive satanic sex yeah. club. Mm-hmm. It's a secretive satanic sex club in Manitowoc, yeah, supposedly. Hobby, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so that it was actually in the news. Like JFK Prep was kind of in the mainstream news a little bit. Hmm. But are you ready to jump into the history of St. Nazians? The actual true history yeah, like of St. Nazians. <laughs> the St. Nazians is, I don't know. I get a vibe there. I do get a vibe totally. in St. Nazians. Yeah. Kind of like I did in Fond du Lac. Like just okay. like, not, not 
like flat out creepy but just, just there's some just history different. there yeah. yeah but there's and it's such a small town like it there's is. there's nothing there except a couple a buildings farming community uh, meets opera house which is actually awesome Okay. It's a little restaurant bar place. I was there for a wedding. My grandma and grandpa lived there for a while. Really? Yeah. They have, Actually, yeah. They um, have like good food. Mark's Mark's mom grew up on a farm in that, in that area. And she has taught, told us about um, going to JFK prep with on for a school, school trip like, yeah. while well, it was running. Yeah. And I didn't know a lot about it until I researched it. And it's really kind of cool sounding. Like, I love, like, I'll get into it when I talk about the history of JFK Prep, but I'm like really intrigued now by that school, like how it was run and stuff. But anyway, here's the history of St. Nazian's itself. So all of this starts with a man named Ambrose Oswald. This comes from a great article in a 2010 issue of the Max Cade Institute Friends newsletter called, quote, Father Ambrose Oswald and the Utopian Community of St. Nazians in Wisconsin, Part 1. Utopian community. That's yep. a mouthful. Okay. <laughs> Ambrose Oswald was born in 1801 at a time when the power of the Catholic Church in his homeland of, I never know how to pronounce this, is it Baden, Germany or Baden, mm. Germany? I think it's Baden. I have no idea. Of Baden, Germany was f- fading rapidly. The previously intertwined relationship of church and state had been dissolved, and though two-thirds of the population of Baden were Roman Catholic, a Protestant government was using its power to diminish the influence of the Catholic church. Church property was seized, monasteries and convents were closed, and seminary education was regulated now by state authorities. Nevertheless, for many families there, Catholicism remained very much alive, and the Oswald family was no exception. Ambrose's father, Matthias, a devout Catholic, ran a mill in southern Baden, Baden, I never know how to pronounce that, and in his late adolescent years, the young Oswald felt a calling to serve his church. In 1833, after two years of seminary training, Ambrose Oswald was ordained as a Catholic priest. Oswald had few needs, and he led a Spartan life. He was more apt to spend his salary on the needs of the parish rather than on himself. The central theme of the gospel message, he told his parishioners, was to love one's neighbor, and his compassion for the unfortunate, as well as his charismatic personality, continually drew people to him. But Oswald also found himself repeatedly in conflict with the church hierarchy, and he was transferred from one parish to another, often to remote areas of the diocese. Like, they didn't care for him. He's a problem child. He's a problem child. Yep. The controversies had to do with three aspects of the young priest's ministry. First, Father Oswald believed that he had possessed special powers to heal the sick. Indeed, it seems probable that he had become familiar with homeopathic cures because his family had practiced them. He had shown an early interest in studying plants and herbs that could heal illnesses. However, he also read biblical accounts of people being restored to health through prayer, the laying on of hands, and exorcism. In 1843, Oswald openly declared that he had healed 3,160 people, attributing his power to God. In one community, local doctors called him a quack and demanded both a civil and church investigation, but after an inquiry, Oswald was found innocent of any wrongdoing. He was just ahead of his time. Yeah. (laughs) This came up a lot that he was just kind of ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. This aspect of his ministry remained part of his work in Wisconsin, and there are those today who still believe he was able to perform miraculous cures. This comes from another article called Waiting for the End of the World at the End of the World. Millen, er, millenner, millenner, oh boy, 
Millenner, Millenner. Wow, nailing it. You're just nailing That's it. That's awful. Okay, it's Millenarianism. Millenarianism. Okay. Miles from Nowhere, St. Nazian's, Wisconsin. It's an. It was written by Hubert Treber, and this might have been like his thesis, college thesis, because okay. it's like a really scholarly paper. He writes, quote, and this is like, this is him talking about like the investigations into Oshwald. He writes in his paper, the report of the 20th October 1843, which refers back to a police investigation ordered by the authorities, goes on to say, quote, Chaplain Oshwald asserted quite freely and modestly that he was equipped with higher powers and that he could, if necessary, use these powers in the name of the Almighty to cure all ills, chronic and acute, even those previously considered incurable. He would use exorcism, consecrated oil, the laying on of hands, and prayer, and would shun all forms of medical assistance that were contrary to his way of healing. According to his own records, his patients number over 3,000, and he claims in good faith to have healed most of these. An ignoramus would take this Oshwald for a miracle worker. However, a closer look makes us think otherwise. Oshwald is of meager stature, and is permanently in a state of high excitement, which he attributes to disguise by adopting sober habits. His early education is most deficient. His university education was cut short as he pursued his healing activities. Oshwald's profoundly disordered imagination appears to be deceiving him, and we would advise him to work his healing powers on himself so that he would no longer have to practice them on others. Burn. However, this man is still causing the diocese and secular authorities great inconvenience. Only firm intervention can rid us of this inconvenience. Oswald enjoys a reputation of a religious and moral man, and yet, and yet brings out the contrast between irreligiousness and immorality in people, even in clerics themselves, even more when grasping landlords, roguish schoolmasters, and others determined to follow the path of self-deception stand to gain by his nefarious activities. Oswald will pay scant heed to the orders of the church authorities, Feeling aggrieved that his supposed right to heal is challenged, he assuages his conscience with the thought that he owes greater allegiance to God than to man. So that's like a report about him. Okay. Like they didn't like not him. Not very nice. No, they did not like him. That's not a glowing review in any no. sense of the word. No. So you can see why they're moving him moving him from church to church. Mm-hmm. The second controversy that involved Oswald concerned his belief in mysticism, his conviction that he had a special relationship with God and could interpret dreams and visions and see into the future. In 1849, he published a book entitled Mystische Schriften, which means mystical writings in German, in which he predicted the second coming of Christ at the turn of the century and the establishment of a new Jerusalem in southwestern Germany. This would be followed by a thousand years of peace throughout the world. Religious authorities called the book heretical and a hodgepodge of nonsense. Some also questioned Oswald's mental stability. The church, which could hardly tolerate a priest with crazy ideas, asked Oswald to pledge that he would publish no further books. Nevertheless, despite his promise, another book appeared within the year. Like, I like this guy. Yeah, <laughs> really, he's a rebel, isn't really he? Do, yeah. The third and I final... Like churches need rebels. Yeah, 100%. The third and final blow occurred in 1850 when the priest founded a society called Der Geistlich Magnetische Verein, which stands for Spiritual Magnetic Society. This attempt to organize his followers worried the archbishop, who, fearing the group would turn into a cult, composed a letter to each of, the, each, of the, yeah, to each of the churches warning parishioners of Oswald's ideas. He then relieved Oswald of his parish and limited his priestly duties. 
1852, Oswald retreated to Munich where he began studying medicine, a move he had contemplated for some time. Upon his return two years later, he informed the archdiocese that he was giving up the priesthood in favor of medicine. He then requested and received permission from both civil and religious authorities to come to the United States. His emigration papers recorded his profession as, quote, former priest. At the end of May 1854, Oswald and 113 of his followers boarded two ships at Le Havre, Le Havre France, and began a five-week journey across the Atlantic Ocean. After arriving in New York, they journeyed on to Milwaukee, where Oswald used their pooled resources to purchase 3,840 acres of land in Manitowoc County. They christened their yet unseen village St. Nazians after St. Gregory of Nazians, who centuries earlier had retreated into a contemplative life just as they intended to do. The long, I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the long journey had taken its toll, and the number of those remaining with Oswald had dwindled. In New York, some of them had refused to journey any farther, and Milwaukee, others were too sick to continue. Only the strongest traveled on to the north and to begin creating a new home out of the tangled, forested wilderness that at that time made up eastern Wisconsin. And here's one of the things that shows up a lot, is that it is rumored that when they landed, like here in Manitowoc kind of, they were led to where St. Nazian's is today by, quote, a divine white heifer. Like a white ox appeared that led them to the town that is St. Nazian's okay. now. I saw that thing yesterday. <laughs> Did it lead you anywhere? <laughs> but, uh, Did it take you a quick trip? It's <laughs> quick, quick trip and culvers. Um, it's just that it's hard to find like concrete evidence of yeah. this. A newspaper called the Keel Record in an article from March 2nd, 1922 says, quote, there is a legend that when they arrived at the eastern boundary of their tract, a white ox appeared before them and that they followed the animal in its winding path until it stopped on the very spot where the first church was built and where it still stands today. The story is supposed to explain why the streets of St. Nazian's wind and wind without any apparent reason for their crookedness. The brothers of the community admit the existence of the legend but do not vouch for its authenticity. Another account says that the men let their own ox wander around after passing the border of the property, and then they selected the spot where their oxes stopped to, to create like the first church. But there's a lot of talk about this divine white ox that mm. they followed. But when it says the brothers of the community admit the existence of the legend but do not vouch for its authenticity, it makes me think it's kind of a made-up story. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they did let their own oxes wander and then but i don't think there was a divine white ox that led them hmm. by christmas of 1854 only 70 of the original 113 were still members of the oshwald community life was difficult in the initial years of settlement the new immigrants experienced hardships in the forms of hunger many fires unexplained deaths and severe winters all of which led to dissension where did they come from germany okay and we're going to get into this when we talk about St. Nazians being cursed, but there's like a weird history of fires oh, yeah. in St. Nazians. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's actually kind of crazy. I could not find this, and it's driving me crazy because when I first researched St. Nazians for our investigation, I came across an old journal that had a story that somebody supposedly saw... It looked like it looked like some kind of monster boy or some kind of weird boy like on 
the back of I want to say a unicorn or some weird animal, and it was throwing. Was it a white ox? It, no, but it was throwing. <laughs> right. It was throwing fireballs from its hand. What? Yeah, and I could not find where huh. I got that information from, but there are reports that somebody saw this creature flinging fireballs around. Like Saint back Nazians, in the settlement. Back in the time? settlement times. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so but they have a, a history of fires and stuff, and they were just having problems. Uh, worst of all was their inability to make mortgage payments on the land. By 1860, however, St. Nazians had begun to grow, and Oswald had formulated his ideas about how the village should, should operate. Settlers then began going by the name, quote, the Association, which is kind of like, you know, a weird name. Like, don't call yourself something like that because people are going to think you're a cult <laughs> right you know <laughs> the association yeah. of the divine ox <laughs> yeah so they're the association with fireball the whatever. fireball throwing monster uh any german-speaking catholic single or married or anyone wishing to become catholic was eligible to join the community as long as that person adhered to its principal rules Members agreed to share work, money, and food, live a life of humility, observe the sacraments, educate the young, and above all else, serve others, especially the sick, the poor, widows, and orphans. Swearing, quarreling, fighting, unlawful conduct, impurity, boorishness, and rudeness could lead, could lead to getting kicked out of the town. So don't be boring. Don't be, bo- <laughs> don't be boorish. Yeah. Uh, but a person was given three chances to reform before being ousted. Initially, Is all that were three strikes and you're out. Come <laughs> pretty much. Um, initially, all members, married and unmarried, lived in the numerous log houses built under Oswald's directions. In time, two convents were constructed for the unmarried, who became known as brothers and sisters. Additional houses were added as membership increased, and eventually, also a hospital, an orphanage, several schools, and a short-lived seminary, as well as mills and businesses, showed up. Among the colony's craftsmen were a shoemaker, a tailor, a baker, a weaver, a blacksmith, a mason, and carpenters. The sisters made straw hats, felt shoes, and artisan cheese that were often sold outside the community. Cheese has always been a thing here. (laughs) Um, And they became some of the area's first educators as Catholic schools emerged throughout the the county. Community members were not paid for their work, but if they performed jobs for non-affiliated individuals, they were allowed to accept payment and keep their earnings. This money they often put back into their businesses to purchase needed supplies. Non-members could also reside in the village, uh, usually individuals who possessed specific skills or sold goods the community needed, for which they were compensated. Individuals joining the colony were expected to donate whatever money they could to the common treasury. In theory, a member could leave the society at any time, taking along an amount of money or property determined in accordance with the work or money he or she had contributed. Some members who left were compensated as promised, but others apparently were not. So there was some unhappiness with that stuff. Members of the Oswald settlement enjoyed their meals together, though children ate, as one member stated, quote, apart from the table. While the adults worked, children were required to attend school. Nevertheless, they were also expected to do manual labor when they were old enough. The colony provided its members with basic clothes and shoes, but any extras had to be furnished by the members themselves. The St. Nazian Society never joined a specific Catholic order, although Oswald adopted the principles of the Third Order of St. Francis, an official order that included both married and unmarried members. He also introduced the Catholic Breviary, a strict regiment of prayers recited at various times during the day. 
A typical day involved rising early and going to bed late, with the hours in between interspersed with work, meals, prayer, and an evening recitation of the rosary. At its height in the early 1870s, the colony had approximately 200 members, and a century later, researcher Father Alfred Schnebel listed a total of some 350 persons who at various times had been members of, quote, the settlement, as it was known locally. Although mysticism had played a large role in his spiritual life in Germany, Father Oswald seems to have laid this aside upon his arrival to the United States, perhaps because of the pressures connected to building his communal society. He enjoyed good relations with the Archbishop of Milwaukee, who visited St. Nazian several times. He continued to use his medical skills to help those who were ill, collecting plants and herbs for his homeopathic cures and keeping records of illnesses he treated. It is said that anyone that showed up needing help, no matter what his or her religious affiliation, he would help them. So he's like, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about it in the second part, but when I was like when I was when I was interviewed for that paranormal show that kept trying to get me to say that Father Oswald was satanic and that Mm -hmm. it was a satanic cult and I they kept I kept saying no I'm like nothing that I came everything that I came across is like he was a good dude you know I think Chris had said it earlier that he I think he definitely was just a he was he was a rebel like he was a rebel rebel. yeah like he he marched to his own beat he's like I'm not yeah I would never publish any more books and then a couple months later and he publishes another book (laughs) you know so I think I I love Father Oswald Mm -hmm. I think he's cool um in february 1873 ambrose oswald became ill oswald's right-hand man was named anton stoll anton and this this shows up a lot in the paranormal stuff anton stoll records quote a number of times i have observed father oswald with closed eyes when there was no one else in the room but i alone would extend his hands in blessing and then with his hand signal someone away and yet i saw no one in the room so he's sick in an, in bed, and uh, Stoll is seeing him blessing people who aren't there, mm-hmm. and then motioning for them to leave. And then this this I this was what never showed up when I was researching JFK Prep the first time, but then I found this, and now this constantly shows up in stuff about JFK Prep. Throughout the night of February twenty sixth, as Oswald lay dying, there were reports of mysterious poundings on the wall of his room, as well as residences throughout the town. From Anton Stoll's journal, quote, I was sitting quietly at his side now until 11 p.m. about. All of a sudden, there came a messenger from my house who told me to come home since there was a terrible noise and knocking there. I went fast home and found the above-mentioned men sitting in my room in panic. They could not get tired telling me what was happening. Furious noises and raging. The whole house was investigated with a light, but then it was knocked at the house from the outside. One was going into the living room, but then it was knocking all over the house again. This had been happening in many houses of the settlement, as I heard the other morning, but nowhere so severe as in mine. But in the sick room where Father Oswald laid, nothing happened all night. Everything was quiet and peaceful. About this, dear reader, I'd let you judge yourself. That's crazy. It is. Like when he was dying, there was like pounding like on houses around the village. So I wonder what that was. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But the only account I really have of that is that Anton Stoll's yeah. where he says, I let you judge yourself. Like, that's wild. I'm, I don't know. I can't verify if it happened because that's really the only account I have of the knocking. But it's said that the sounds finally stopped when Oshwald died the following morning. Then the sounds completely stopped, which is weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to have a drink, so talk amongst yourself. I just I find <coughs> the, the knocking um, interesting because I know there have been other paranormal 
instances, situations, stories, what have you, that other people have claimed to, that to hear sometimes they'll hear like what sounds like pounding or knocking mm-hmm. from like within or you know and then you but go that's so creepy it's so cre- it's like what is that what yeah. is that yeah. three knocks is especially to be when they're evil. Out, especially when they're outside it's that it sounded like they were outside and heard the knocking coming from inside and then when they went inside the sounds were yes, coming yes, from yes, outside yes, like yes. pounding so on the house i find that fascinating. feels intelligent yeah mm-hmm. but but i but i don't know and then it's also tied with this which is one of the fascinating things about father oswald a judge came from Manitowoc to view Oshwald's body the day before the funeral. He was taken aback by the liveliness of the corpse, not wanting to bury it because he said Oshwald was not dead. His tomb had not yet been complete, so his coffin was placed on view in a crypt beneath the high altar of the old St. Ambrose Church. That's the church that's there. Mm-hmm. Like his body was below the altar there hmm. okay. for, the, for quite a while. The coffin was then reopened on April 29th for examination before it was to be placed in the completed chamber. A priest by the name of Father Mutz, along with a group called the Oswald Sisters, noticed that his body had not decayed and there was no order of corruption. Oswald's eyes had sunken in, but his skin still had a lifelike complexion. His hair and fingernails were growing. They washed his face and noticed that it served to give him an even more natural look. The next day, 63 days after his death, Oswald was finally sealed in his coffin and moved into the now-completed burial vault. The coffin was then opened again 53 years later on October 4, 1926, when it was being moved into a new stone mausoleum below Loretto Hill, which is where mm-hmm. it is now. Right. Local health officer Dr. L. W. Gregory, as well as several other members of the clergy, observed through the glass cover that his corpse was still in remarkably good shape after so 53 weird. years. His skin had become shriveled and sallow, but his body and vestments were still very much intact, while the iron on his coffin had rusted and fallen away long ago. Hmm. And wow. this is a, a sign of sainthood. In the Catholic, in Catholic tradition, it's, uh, it's called incorrupt, and it's sometimes one of the criteria used to determine sainthood. Wow. So yeah, this is this has been journaled like several places. So this actually happened that when they opened it, like he did not look like he had been dead. And for yet a... people want to call him evil. And they I know, <laughs> I know. Obviously but that is like the, the whole incorrupt either. thing is one of the signs of sainthood. So there are some people that do think wow. that he was a saint. You know. Um. Back. In that time, did they do embalming? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Was he in some special kind of crypt that had just... But it's 53 53 years. 53 years is a long time. I like that that Father Mutz or whatever his name was was like, don't bury him. He's not dead. Right. You know, because he looks so... He looks looks so lifelike. Um. But yeah, that's one of the fascinating things. Uh, in, in the fascinating. in the teaser in the teaser picture that I'm posting today, like one of the pictures of the three is his corpse. Like they took a picture of his oh, corpse, and fun. yeah. So I mean, let's see that. Yeah, I do too. On his deathbed, Father Oswald designated a man named Peter Mutz as his spiritual successor. Mutz wanted the colony to abandon the use of the breviary, a strict regimen of daily prayers and devotions around which the day's schedule revolved, saying that that time could be used more wisely. Anton Stoll was outraged at Mutz's proposal and argued that copies of the breviary had been purchased and shipped from Germany at great expense. Stoll was also concerned that the elimination of the frequent devotions could weaken the community's resolve to continue the ideal the ideals of Father Oswald, so the two constantly went at it, hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. 
typical typical I was gonna say the struggle typical when the, when the boss is gone the when the yeah. boss is yeah. gone <laughs> yeah yeah so one guy wants to get rid of the brevity which is them praying like constantly throughout the day saying we could do this some we could do something else with this time and and anton stoll is like no this is what oswald wanted it was finally decided that people could choose to stay with the brevity or not stay with it but by that time the whole thing was kind of falling apart there were a lot of legal disputes about the land and who owned it the colony needed to be incorporated. It was, and a board of directors was created, and the colony now became the Roman Catholic Religious Association of St. Nazians, or the RCRA. In 1879, the RCRA was able to buy back much of its land from the Oshwald estate. Surprisingly, though, the association had continued to be self-sustaining during these years of struggle. It had also continued to clothe and feed over 200 disadvantaged and handicapped individuals, both children and adults alike. The state of Wisconsin recognized the importance of its orphanage and began to help support its efforts in 1876. There are always lots of talk about there being an orphanage. And in one of my EVPs where I feel like I can hear like beating in the background and like Mm -hmm. screams and stuff. That's a crazy I assumed the orphanage was where JFK Prep is, but it's not. I didn't know that until I was researching Hmm. this, that the orphanage is actually... Uh, down the road from JFK Prep is St. Mary's Convent, which is now the Holy Resurrection Byzantine Catholic Monastery, where monks still do live to this day. But that was originally the orphanage. It was oh. not on the JFK Prep grounds, which I didn't know. As time passed, RCRA members became older and needed care. Anton Stoll died in 1889. Father Mutz continued his leadership until the mid-1890s when ill health prevented him from continuing his work. In 1896, the Order of the Divine Savior, an official order of the Catholic Church, purchased the old Oshwald property with the understanding that it would care for the now elderly brothers and sisters until they had all died. This Salvatorian order kept its word and continued its work in St. Nazians. The Salvatorians established a seminary on the grounds and had St. Ambrose Church built on the grounds in 1898. Enrollment at the seminary declined in the 1960s, though, and in 1968, the seminary was closed and reopened as a non-sectarian coeducational college prep school named after John F. Kennedy, Mm. the first Catholic U.S. president. Mm. So... Uh, JFK uh, was the first Catholic U.S. Yeah, president? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is weird when you think about that. Yeah. But yeah, it says the history of JFK Prep Wikipedia says the seminary enrollment like severely declined in the 60s. Like nobody wanted to be a priest apparently. And in 1968... It was a swing in 60s. It, 1968, <laughs> it was closed and then it reopened as JFK Prep. JFK Prep is like, I didn't know much about it. But like researching it is like really amazing, and like going back, there's like yearbooks online where you can go back and look through yearbooks. Oh, that's cool. Of JFK Prep, and now I'm like, if I could time travel, I would want to go back and see JFK Prep in its heyday. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I just think it's amazing. But before we get to talking about JFK Prep, any anything about Saint Nazians, you guys want to say? We'll get to the like the, the fires and storm later. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. going to be towards. This is the all end. new to me. I didn't know. Well, like yeah, the other Oswald stuff, like it's there's like so much stuff that it was a satanic cult that yeah. he was a cult leader, and I think so much of that comes from the Germany stuff where he did kind of start a group, mm-hmm. but like there's, there's no nothing evil about it. Though. No, 
No, I just think abs- the Catholic religion was threatened by him or, or I, something. It, it, it might have been because he had like a huge following. It sounded like he was like super charismatic. Yeah, he and, was like, not people, operating within Catholicism. No, and people we were drawn that. to him, and you know, like he was always all about helping people. He was never. You know, that's why I was so annoyed at that show that wanted to lead mm-hmm. me to say Father Oswald was satanic. One, okay, on the side here, Barry, if you're listening, I did my best to get a hold of Barry. We love you, Barry. We love you, you Barry. Barry. We love talk about Barry, Barry on here all the time. She's she's one of our group members. I haven't seen her in so long. I know. Long. We, love, we love you, Barry. She's one of our group members, and I wanted her to like either voicemail or put mm. something together to talk about her experiences there or ultimately to come here Didn't which would have been same show amazing. interview her too yes yeah, i'll talk right. about that to i'll talk about her. that more in the second part okay. but I, w- I would love i would have loved for her to come here too oh my gosh mm-hmm. that would have been amazing yeah. but i have the one phone number i have for her her last number she gave me i messaged one morning at work i'm like barry it's kurt is this your number and within 10 minutes they wrote back and said hey yeah this is me by the way do you have cash app and oh, i'm like that's I'm not like, barry I'm like, this is not barry so now I left her a message on Facebook, but she didn't answer it because I really wanted her. Should, f- is Bergen on Facebook? I just, I just literally thought about that right before mm-hmm. you guys said it. Yeah. I should have wrote to Bergen. But I really wanted Barry's take on, yeah. on JFK Prep. Absolutely. So Barry, if you are listening to this, please get in touch with me. And I would love in a future episode to read. Or if it's before, you could even edit, edit it, it in, in for next yeah, week's episode. For next episode. week's episode. So if you can, get back to me with your thoughts about our investigation at JFK yeah. Prep. Uh, that'd be awesome I, when I go into the second when we go to the next episode the second part of this we'll talk more about the actual investigation but it was neat reading like Matt's report investigation report is still online that's where people mm. are getting most of this information mm-hmm. from and it's just neat I, like, I forgot Jason Drackman was there I forgot a whole nother group yeah, was there we that were, first night we were like co-investigating yeah yep. so it's, it was like yeah. really interesting but it's just a lot of stuff about and like I have all my raw audio still from the investigation like I have files that are five hours long of wow. audio from there. And I just really wanted Barry's because we talk yeah. about Barry a lot because we kind of let her lead because she knew her stuff. Yeah. You know, so really want to get in touch with Barry. Are you ready to jump into JFK prep? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Must so this comes from an article called, quote, things are different at JFK from the March 1975 issue of the Madison, Wisconsin newspaper, The Capital Times. The article says, quote, The Eco House is a class project the likes of which you aren't likely to find anywhere else. Father Melvin Tracy, who teaches a course in environmental studies, began planning the project in late 1973. The idea was to build a house that would be ecologically self-sufficient. Over the summer of 1974, a group of JFK prep students who were interested in the project tore down an old barn and shed and dug up rocks out of fields to get the material needed to build the structure. Father Melvin, meanwhile, rounded up $26,000 in federal money to help with the project. The students finished the basement and the first floor frames before winter set in, and they hope to finish the eco house this spring. When it is done, if it works right, the heat will be supplied entirely by solar energy and powered by a windmill which I think is so cool. Ten people should be able to sleep in it. There will be a classroom and an office for Melvin. Not every class project at JFK Prep is quite that grandiose, but the Eco House reflects in good measure the way that education works there. To use educational jargon, the school works on a theory of self-actualization instead of socialization. Traditional schools are based on preparing students for roles in society. 
At JFK Prep, education is defined as, quote, the process in which the individual learns to make of himself what he or she wishes to be in society and culture. Mm, That's interesting. So instead of sitting in a classroom reading about ecological systems and energy usage, at JFK Prep, the students plunged right into a practical experience. In a biology class, some students interested in the problems of teenage alcoholism studied the biological effects of it. Some black students delved into the problem of sickle cell anemia, a disease that affects only blacks. Mm -hmm. These are not simple two-week projects. In biology, for instance, the first few weeks of the course are devoted to an overview of the subject. Then the rest of the semester is taken up with students working as individuals and groups on projects. All students are expected to complete a core group of subjects such as science, math, reading, and the like. But they have plenty of opportunity to delve into unconventional courses as well. That is so cool. It is. The more more I read about this school, I was like, dang, I like this is good. Peter Eltink, the dean at JFK Prep in St. Nazian's, says about 10 or 15 of the courses being offered this semester were generated from student ideas. One of the classes is called Global Poverty and Development. There are four students in the course, ranging from sophomore to senior. On the day I sat through the course, all four participated actively in a discussion of population growth and its effect on developing countries. One of the class projects was a campaign to increase the awareness of the rest of the students about the issues of hunger and poverty. Generally, the student-generated courses are run by faculty members, but in one case, a Native American girl wanted a course on the history of her people, and since she knew more about it than anyone else, she taught it under the supervision of a teacher. Wow. It sounds like such a cool... It does. Classes... Very progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like again, I think it was kind of ahead of its time. Totally. Classes, like just about everything else at JFK Prep, are informal. Teachers and students relate to each other on a first-name basis. The kids can wear whatever they want. They have all manner of hair lengths and styles. They can smoke in lounges or even in class if it's okay with the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There are no grades, but at the end of each quarter, the teacher and student get together and prepare individual evaluations. At the end of the year, credit is given on a pass-fail basis. Dude, this is amazing. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, the more I, I read wish about it. I, I wish I could have gone there. The more, the more I read about it, the more I was like, wow. Uh, the informality and individual attention work in large part because of the small student body. The average class size is 7.4 people, oh. and the largest is freshman English, which has 35 students. Wow. So it's like small. Yeah. Father Fred Berg, JFK Prep's principal for the last two years, said that he would like to see the school's enrollment go up some, but he said that about 250 students would be about the maximum the school could take and keep its character. Right now, according to Berg, about a third of JFK Prep students are from the Milwaukee area, about 30 are from the immediate St. Nazian's area, and most of the rest are from elsewhere in eastern Wisconsin. Religion is still important at JFK Prep, with required courses in theology and philosophy, but the orientation is personal belief, not doctrine. All of this talk about educational theories and numbers does not really capture the spirit of JFK Prep, though. Um, it's so interesting because I think I went to a Catholic school for six years. Yeah. And the experience is wildly different than what you're <laughs> <laughs> explaining yeah. here. Yep. Very strict and no room for any sort of, I don't know, individuality. Or... Yeah. Interesting. One place that captures it is the school's art center. From the outside, the art center looks like an old service garage. That's what it was. But under the guidance of art director Stephen Reitgeld, the inside has been transformed. A gallery features paintings each month from a each month from a different Wisconsin artist. There are spacious rooms where students work on everything from elementary sketches to advanced pottery. All of this was put together solely by the students. 
was that part of the actual school building? I, I'm guessing then, that was the printing or... building. I'm guessing that was like around the printing building because we, there were like extra buildings over by the printing building well, that Mark, Mark like and I checked out. The maintenance building, the Renaissance building, the dorms, the, the Renaissance building where we had like was our main, you know, like our center command, central command area might have right. been the art place. Yeah, this is part of the key to JFK prep: students doing it themselves. There are occasional problems with theft or vandalism and with drinking and drugs. This may stem in part from the school's location. St. Nazian's, a sleepy farming village, does not offer a lot of excitement for teenagers. <laughs> so as one student put it, JFK... Well, how we all laugh because yeah, we can well, relate. We all know, we all know, we all know St. Yeah. Nazian's. You, you blink, well, we you grew up it? in a small town. It's like, it's like Lakeland College. Like I'm, right. I, I'm, Such a neat little I'm campus, fascinated with Lakeland College because it's literally in the middle of middle absolutely of nowhere. nowhere. Yeah, also, there's this college there. Yeah. It's a beautiful campus, though. There are occasional problems of vandalism, drinking, and drugs. It was the seventies. By the way, I uh, just drove by Lakeland yesterday. Did you? I took my mom to Whispering Orchards. I really want to stop. Oh, oh Whispering Orchards! Yeah. I really want to stop. At, I'm like fascinated with Lakeland College. I really am. Mm-hmm. I've never been in it, but I'm just like fascinated with how it's just there in the mm-hmm. middle of like this cornfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saint Asian's a sleepy farming village does not offer a lot of excitement for teenagers. So, as one student put it, JFK prep is great for academic activities, but the nighttime social life leaves a little something to be desired. <laughs> and this, I think, is, is really fascinating. So, because of the lack of pretty much anything else to do, even though the school was super tiny and unknown, they did have some sports teams. One of the teams they had was a basketball team, and that actually became one of the lasting legacies of JFK prep due to Marty and Mickey Crow. Peter Eltink, the dean at JFK Prep in St. Nazian, says, quote, This place is really strange to even have a basketball team. The whole structure and philosophy is completely non-competitive. But JFK Prep, a former Roman Catholic seminary turned into a co-educational boarding school for about 160 youths, does indeed have a basketball team. And this weekend, the, the team competed for the state small independent school state title which was like a huge thing. Like they had, I don't think they still have it. I think I get to this, but it was like, they went to state, like JFK prep actually went to state. And that was like a huge thing when it happened. What is the population of JFK prep? You mean, mean, I'm sorry, St. Nazian's. Oh God, not, I'm guessing a few thousand. uh, If no, if that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think it's, St. Nazian's population. I suppose at that time when there were people living at the school, the population was higher. But... The population as of 2021 is 712. <laughs> <laughs> so this little okay. rinky-dink school in the middle of nowhere yeah. went to state, which it was amazing. Really cool. um, the team has received more attention than usual because of its star, Mickey Crow. Mickey Crow is a scoring machine, averaging over 40 points a game, and is oh. generally considered the highest scoring high school That's basketball crazy. player in Wisconsin history. Wow. The story of Mickey Crow and his father, Marty, who coaches the JFK prep team, has gotten a lot of coverage during the past few months, even making national television. All in all, he scored 2,724 points a total that to this day remains second in state history and averaged 41.7 points per game, once scoring 72 points in a single game. Wow. And remember, there wasn't a three-point line back then. Oh, really? Yeah, so it was like, huh. he, it was crazy like that how was good he was. man show. Some people disagree, though. Some people say that he was overrated. I was, 
the one and only time I'll probably be researching stuff on basketball sites for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. well, was he like, a team a, player or did he, he? No, like he sounded like he was a team. He wasn't like yeah. a showboat. Okay. He's still around. He really he suffered from a lot of mental problems, uh, schizophrenia. Oh really? But he's still around, and a book came about about him, and he's been at like book signings where he like oh, signs cool. the book. So wow. You don't think that people from this area you're talking about are still around, but we're talking about what now? The 60s? 80s. This oh, was the 80s, 80s now. I think okay. like late 70s, early 80s. Okay. So, uh, according to not Wiki- too much older than us, probably. No. According to Wikipedia, JFK Prep competed in the Wisconsin Independent Schools Athletic Association, which was dissolved in 2000. Their team was originally called the Royals with the colors blue and white, but after they acquired uniforms from a different school, they changed their colors to black and gold, and the team name became the Moors, M O O R S. From 1971 to 1977, the school was home to Wisconsin Hall of Fame high school basketball coach Marty Crow. Hired to teach English, serve as a dorm counselor, and coach basketball, Crow also coached the nearby Manitowoc Chiefs semi-professional football team, and a lot of the students, my students, yeah, are on the Chiefs, yeah. so they're still around. He was once named Coach of the Year. His son, Mickey Crow, enjoyed his own period as a star basketball player during this time scoring a state record of 2,724 points over his career. Together, they took JFK Prep to the state championship final in 1975, a game in which the younger Crow scored 45 points, but the team ended up losing to Racine Lutheran High School 72-58. to 58. Oh. I know. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> George Hall, the boys' dormitory, was gutted by a fire on April 9, 1975. About 25 students were housed in that building, but most were at dinner in the cafeteria, and there were no deaths or injuries. The cost of operating a small private school proved more than the order could bear, and the school closed in 1982. After this, the property went through a succession of owners and schemes suffering from neglect and vandalism. The former school gymnasium was restored in April 2006 because when we did the investigation in 2005, the gymnasium was where they had like an altar set up. Like they were doing church things in the Mm. gymnasium because I have pictures of like the altar on the basketball floor in the corner Mm. of the basketball floor. Uh, the former school gymnasium was restored in April 2006. Jim and Linda Frosch of United Ministries acquired the property in 2008 and have been renovating other buildings for use as a summer and winter camp for children. The gymnasium currently houses a thrift store to raise funds for the restoration. Additionally, the former football field and several dormitories have been renovated and a campground was built near the lake. The church remains abandoned, however. A temporary roof has been installed which allows it to be open during the summer. So yeah, so that's what I got for JFK Prep. Well, it's uh, I learned a lot there. Yeah, like yeah, I totally, I never knew like what kind of school it was, but like mm-hmm. researching the school, I'm like, dang, this is a really and any history of abuse. No, yeah, no, there was like nothing like that. But there's Facebook pages. I think I'm a member of some of them where it's like alumni of JFK Prep, and they post pictures and stuff, and it just they looks clearly have fond memories yeah, of going to yeah, school there. Yeah, but we're gonna get to in the second part, or maybe even this part. We, there's comments in both, but we get to like comments from former students okay. and stuff. So there was another dormitory on the property that th- obviously burnt down. No, I think I think it was re. I think it was the dorms that we investigated, but I think like they the rebuilt. Old dorms. Yeah, the okay. old dorms. I think they rebuilt. Okay. And I guess I didn't realize it was open until '82. Yeah, yeah. Um, but seeing pictures of it in its heyday and students working, mm-hmm. it's just like really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did talk about the. Did they wear uniforms? 
Was it a uniform school? No, no. they said they could wear pretty so much whatever. Casual. I guess it they was, could like, smoke super... in the lounge. It's so weird because it, it's, like, it's like that 70s like casual, like you called your teacher by their first name. Right. You know, it's just, and I, then I have the stuff it's about like dazed the... and confused. Yeah. But like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. I had talked about the Dave Bogotka story about JFK Prep, that the group is rumored to communicate with the devil in the basement. But then we get to about the town being cursed. And the town mm-hmm. does have a history of fires and other disasters. According to the website sistersofthedivinesavior.org, quote, In 1896, Salvatorians settled in St. Nazian's, Wisconsin, a village established by German immigrants in 1854. The villagers were very proud of their heritage. They followed German customs and often spoke German. By April 1918, one year after the United States of America declared war against Germany, it was common to hear public expressions of hatred towards Americans of German descent. Villagers and businesses in St. Asians had received anonymous threatening letters criticizing their, quote, excessive pride in their German heritage. Mm. On April 5th, a huge fire broke out in St. Nazians that affected everyone in the village. It burned for over eight hours. The town did not have a fire department, so hundreds of firefighters from neighboring communities showed up. The official cause is recorded as, quote, explosion of a gasoline tank, but many people believe it had been set deliberately. Some villagers thought they heard an automobile passing through town right before the fire started, but there was never official evidence of arson. No one was ever charged, and there were no official suspects. Still, the question always remained. So because of the anti-Germany hmm. sentiments. That's crazy. I, my, um, my mom's family, mm-hmm. um, the Sikawadis, um, they, they had a farm out there. And I guess I didn't never really kind of put two and two together that it was very heavily German descendants that, yeah, which like would make I, sense. Because, because of Oswald, because of Father Oswald, mm-hmm. because they came from Germany. Yeah. So it would be oh, a lot yeah. of German. But Wisconsin is so German. Very German. As it is. During the fire, 16 buildings were completely destroyed. The town was pretty much left in ruins, and at least five families were left homeless. Hmm. And there's just been a weird history of fires in St. Nazians. You know, like, there, I've read a lot about fires in St. Nazians, but of course, it's just a small town, you know, so it's probably nothing. Like, I don't think it's a curse, but there, there's stuff. And then we get to the storm, and I remember this because this, was, this wasn't that long ago. During the late morning of May 12, 2000, a single high-precipitation supercell thunderstorm developed in west-central Wisconsin and moved east across the southern four counties of the Green Bay forecast area. Baseball-sized hail, driven by winds in excess of 60 miles per hour, produced incredible damage in Washera, Winnebago, Calumet, and Manitowoc counties. Chilton and St. Nazians were particularly hard hit by very large hail, In hurricane force, wind gusts well over 75 miles per hour, some believing to top 100 miles per hour. And I think about that windstorm we had a couple. Oh, my gosh. And that was like 60 miles an hour. Yes, I cannot imagine. Months ago. I cannot imagine 100 mile an hour winds. Mm -mm. No, because that was scary. I was sitting in my truck i was sitting in the doctor's I was office sitting, waiting to go in i was sitting in my kitchen eating sushi and i'm looking I out thought, the, there's a tornado, I thought a tornado seriously, yeah the it had been the it had been shaking. nothing and i'm sitting there in my living room watching tv and i'm like what's that noise so i have my sushi i go to the kitchen and i'm looking outside and then a huge wind gust came and there were branches big branches flying sideways in the air and yes. i'm like oh crap this is i have never good. seen the i have never seen that sideways yeah and then because scary. Corey and nicole were camping i drove to their house to check their house and i literally had to take like five detours on waldo because yes. there were huge yeah. trees yeah. down over waldo did they Boulevard. ever declare that straight line winds you know i, I mean, don't know i don't know but it it 
it was horrible. It was bad. So and that was 60 that, miles right, an hour. Imagine 100 miles and baseball-sized hail. No. <laughs> well, I remember the sky that day. I remember I was the day working of, at the, Burger the Bowl day and the, I ran outside to move my car. The day of the St. Nazian storm? Yeah. yeah. I remember that day. It was, I rem- it was like It was like it, midnight. Yeah, it was like it midnight so outside. Out. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, total damage from the storm in the state was nearly $122 million, much of that in the Green Bay forecast area. This was the first time a single storm produced over $100 million in damage in Wisconsin. Fritz Keppen's 20-year-old cat still cowers every time a thunderstorm hits St. Nazian's. She wasn't. This came from an article I don't think I have Need some down. catnip. <laughs> she wasn't scared of bad weather until 15 years ago today when the biggest storm the village had ever seen ravaged the small community. The people that were here are definitely very conscious now of storms, said Keppen, who retired as the village fire chief in 2014 after serving 35 years. It's a day we will never forget. Mm-hmm. Residents described the weather that Friday before Mother's Day weekend as overcast but cool and humid. Severe weather warnings started popping up for neighboring counties mid-morning, first Washera, then Winnebago, then Calumet. When radar indicated the storm was actually strengthening, Copen knew that St. Nazian's was in a direct line of fire. The village was going to get hit and hit hard. He says, quote, It was pitch black at 10 to 12 p.m. The streetlights were going on. It got that dark. He decided to blow the fire siren before, re- before he even received an official alert. He says, quote, I just walked outside and it was dead silence. No air. It was humid and it was an eerie feeling. Just then, the first hailstones came, and they were definitely baseball-sized. When they started hitting the roof of the fire station, it sounded like there was a large gravel truck up there dumping a load of stones on the roof. I'll never forget the sound. Do you this, think that would kill someone if it hit them right on the they, head? They said that it was actually miraculous and nobody was killed. Yeah. Uh, the storm severely damaged the village from the top of the St. Gregory's Church steeple, which was blown completely off by high winds, to the fields of newly sprouting crops, which were destroyed by hail. Power lines had been blown down and electricity was out everywhere. House siding was battered to confetti. Trailer homes were flipped off an upside, completely upside down, and debris from building and destroyed trees littered the roads. It looked like a war zone, Mm -hmm. Keppen said. I really thought we were going to find dead bodies. I really did. Keppen wasn't alone in expecting the worst. Nancy Crowley, Manitowoc County Emergency Management Director for... She was my boss for a while. Oh, wow. Was she? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was in relation to... Really? Really? So yeah, that was she your was bo- my coach, I, my coach, keep, my boss. I keep forgetting you did that. Yeah, when I worked at the sheriff's department. Yeah, I keep forgetting you did Emergency that. Yeah, Nancy Services. Crowley, Manitowoc County Emergency Management Director for 34 years, said, quote, when I actually got to the village itself, it was unbelievable to think that we didn't have a death or two. Because the trailer court alone, most of the houses were like sardine cans, just crushed. The village was pretty much on its knees. Keppen says we had 31 injuries. Some were more serious, but most of them were scratches and bruises. Many of the village's structures weren't as lucky. Some had their roofs completely torn off and others had collapsed completely. The storm, deemed a high precipitation supercell thunderstorm by the National Weather Service, produced baseball-sized hail that was blasted into walls and windows by straight-line hurricane force winds of up to 100 miles an hour. Jeez. Meteorologist Jeff Lass says, quote, Typically in Wisconsin, you will either get a storm that produces really large hail or a storm that produces really large winds, but it's rare to have both. I did a damage survey that afternoon, and it was damage that I had never seen before. He said that the hail caused the most damage in the hardest hit 15-mile span from Chilton to St. Nazian's. The strongest part of the storm in the village lasted 42 seconds. Think of that devastation in 42 yeah. seconds. Oh, yeah. You know, like that storm that we had a couple weeks ago didn't last that long, but it was still pretty bad. Yeah. 
If I had to put a percentage of hail versus wind damage, at least 75% was hail, he said. 70 mile an hour winds won't do too much damage to a house. It won't do any damage to a car, but you throw some baseball sized hail into that and you have a whole new ball game. A brief tornado was reported outside St. Nazian's that did no damage, but to this day, residents beg to differ on whether a tornado was part of the mix inside the village, too. Keppen says, quote, I heard a locomotive sound. There's no doubt in my mind. They can call it a straight wind or whatever they want, but I heard the sound. And we don't have railroad tracks in town, so at that point, I knew we had a tornado. Last said data indicated classic straight-line winds, which actually cause more damage than a typical Wisconsin-sized tornado, but no matter who you believe, the destruction caused was indisputable. That's what took our tree out, was a straight-line wind. Was it? That landed on our house, yeah. I remember that picture up there. Mm. Yikes. Fifteen years later, only a few signs of the storm still remain in St. Nazian's. A hail-damaged shed that was never repaired, some lingering roof damage at Holy Resurrection Monastery, and trees with battle scars in their bark. Though physical evidence of the storm has faded over time, Keppen's memories haven't. He still remembers the home where a street sign from Chilton was found in an upstairs bedroom. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he remembers that the worst time the storm hit, 12 minutes to 12, a broom broke through his office from a hailstone that shot through the window. That's just crazy. Yeah. Keppen has photos still has books of photos and gives speeches from time to time to area organizations about emergency preparedness. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So that's, there you go. That's what I got. Like, St. Nazian's has its run of bad luck, but as far as being cursed, I don't know. So here's some comments that I found on some of these websites from people talking about St. Nazian's. In the second part, we'll get more into JFK Prep. This user says... Quote, this is really fascinating. How sad it is to see the place decaying like that. The church is certainly still beautiful. And this is where there was a weird uh, synchronicity that week. Because I read this comment that week. And then this person goes on to write, quote, I'll bet that dabbling in old Odinic black magic is what got Father Oswald kicked out mm. of Germany. And I looked it up because I had never heard Odinic mm-hmm. before. And then it showed up a couple days later when they were talking about the Delphi murders. Oh, right. And I was like, it was weird to me that in twice that week, I heard this term that I had never yeah, heard right. before. How random. Yeah, I bet, that da- random. I bet that dabbling in old Odinic black magic is what got Father Oswald kicked out of Germany. My husband, who has some familiarity with Norse paganism, believes that too, based on what went on with the white cow and the racket on the walls at the time of Father Oswald's death. Hmm. Somebody else writes, quote, My family has lived in the town since the beginning. I live in the suburbs and have visited many times in my life. I truly believe the town is cursed. I have never been there and not felt presences. I have never been able to sleep the whole night through when I'm in town. My mother grew up in the town in a house that is said to be haunted, and she is not one to embellish. She has told me story after story about her personal experiences. My grandpa took my brother and I for a walk when we were younger to the seminary, and we went to visit Father Oshwald's mausoleum. Being that close was terrifying. I've always been skeptical of ghost stories, but I can tell you from personal experience and a family history of experiences, St. Nazian's is truly haunted. Somebody else writes, quote, I am very sensitive to the paranormal and I grew up in St. Nazian's. I promise you it's no more haunted than any other place in the country. Oh, funny. Yeah, so there's a lot of weird (laughs) stuff happens sometimes. Sure, but if you buy into everything, you'll just scare yourself into being miserable. St. Nazian's is a beautiful little village and it's a wonderful place to grow up. So what do you think? St. Nazian's haunted... Cursed, 
I think it could think? be haunted. I doubt the curse. I, I think every place is haunted. Totally. I think any place can be haunted. Right. Like, remaining absolutely. energy. Not evil. You know, I mean, yeah. As far as it being cursed. Hmm. For, by who? Had a natural uh, disaster. Uh, so many, like, so many th- things said that Father Oshwald. Why would he do that? Cursed the town on his deathbed because it was getting taken away from him. And while they did lose the town, it happened years, like decades after he died. Yeah. That just doesn't So they sound... say that he cursed the town, or they say that later people cursed the town when they lost their money from the settlement, or from, you know, from when the settlement was sold and they didn't get their money. So what if it's say, because of the knocking? I don't know. I don't know. So Great. people say that the town is cursed. String of bad luck. It does have a string of bad luck. It's got yeah, all of. It's got the fires. Uh, it's got like the every storm. Town goes I mean, what did Chicago like that, burn down from a yeah. cow kicking <laughs> yeah. over? Yeah. So Pesh I mean, Chicago fires. Yeah, like the, the Pesh- so it, You know, it has its share of of bad luck, but I don't think it's cursed. No, I don't. think I so. get a weird vibe there, but I get a weird vibe in Fonda. But in a good yeah. way. Yeah, it's a good. But is weird it just vibe. because it's just that small village? Yeah, and because I grew up, of, I grew right. up you know, hearing where everybody knows everybody yeah. and yeah. kind of watches out for one another. And you are and from there. Yeah, you are <laughs> from there. <laughs> when you drive down the main drain, they sit there like, and watch that's you. That's not and a car I recognize. Yeah, who's this person? See that red car that drove through earlier? Yeah. But they also have a good reason to be suspicious because of people trespassing, trespassing yes. on JFK in the JFK prep yeah. property. Yeah. And and That's we, going we saw all the vandalism and yeah, there, we saw. The... They, I think I'm going to post like pictures of like the spray paint in the classrooms and stuff. But I think some of my vibes from it come from growing up hearing about it being cursed sure. and haunted and JFK well, prep preconceived. being you know a majorly yeah. haunted place. Um, does anyone still taste that chicken? Yes. <laughs> no. Every once in a while, oh when I burp. Yes, yeah, I burp. I know. Totally. Like in the middle of your I talk about spiel talk about haunting. Like, yeah. Talk about <laughs> haunting. I, I had a little burp yeah. soon. I'm like, okay, that was that was that was. I can usually handle the stuff, but that, that was, was up there with the worst things that we've ever tried on this podcast. <laughs> it's not quite as bad as dunder salt. It's kind of like green peppers. It keeps coming. It just it does keep coming up. So yeah, that's what I. That's where I ended. What do you think is cursed? I don't think so. I, I think St. Asians is no. a, I haunted. Think sure, like my I said, my grandparents lived there. I was there many yeah. times. Never. Yeah, I have so, friends that live never. there. You know, and I've been there several times. We'll get more into the second part about our experiences at JFK Prep. But as far as the whole town being cursed and haunted, I think every town is haunted to some extent. Yeah, mm-hmm. cursed. I think things. I don't think anybody cursed the town. You know, there was nothing about Father Oshwald that was remotely bad. You know, he right. was like. He was that's, a straight up. I mean, that's good not dude. saying there's not individual hauntings. No, I'm sure in a there's individual right. buildings well, especially or whatever. Being, you know, such you a know, history, being such an old community. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and having such and a history of of you know, like JFK Prep itself going the through energy di- different things. The right. energy, yeah. absolutely. You know. And the buildings are constructed from limestone, right? I or believe like the foundations. Yeah, are yeah. Built so with maybe that, maybe some of that has. Yeah. Yeah, you know they so think that energy that can, stored, yeah energy you know. stored in there like a battery. Yeah, but as far as being cursed, no. Saint Asians is a nice little town. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there's not much to it, but no, I like I I go there. I like going to the thrift store. I mm-hmm. need to stop at Meats Opera House because I was looking at their menu and it sounds really delicious. <laughs> but Why is it called Meats Opera House? Because it was originally an opera house. It was, okay. and then a guy named Meat 
bought it. I read the whole history. Like I actually M E E. I was there for a number of parties when it was the opera house. Like, like it's cool. I, I researched that quite a bit. I didn't put it in this episode, but I researched Meat's Opera House. <laughs> one creepy thing is that, one creepy thing is that there was a, <laughs> there was a, research the menu. There was, <laughs> totally. Cheese curds. I did see cheese curds. There was a puppet show that was famous that came out of St. Nazian's no and I saw kidding. pictures of it and it was like, puppets are creepy. They are we're going to get more into that in two, in a, very creepy. in, in three weeks, we're going to get a little more into <laughs> I took some and creepy pictures of um, marionettes and puppets at the House on the Rock. We should do a field trip back to the I House on the Rock. I want to see the House on the Rock. I've never so been to the House on the Jim Rock. Jim and I just Isn't went and it was amazing. I was there as a teenager, but this is my first time back and it's just see, as wild and amazing. Trips, and it's only a couple of hours yes. away. We totally did it. Jim and I had a... We rented an Airbnb because we were hitting up Cave of the Mounds and other yeah. places too. We did that but when too. I was a kid, we drove there in one day and came back right. and it was totally yeah. worth it. Yeah. Or even, um, oh my gosh, you know, I've got a couple um, books in my library that talks about some of the haunted, you know, the... Cemeteries and stuff yeah, in Wisconsin Yeah, like that even at Appleton, yeah. you know, oh, there's, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know, or... Um, we could do day trips. Absolutely. Yeah. Next season on the show, I want to do more... On site, on site, like going places and yeah. stuff. So there I think we go. It would be cool to contact some places ahead of time, yes, and get permission, yeah. so we don't feel like we're having yeah. to sneak around. What well, What's the so college that we talked it. about going to? Because I keep coming across stuff about it. Is it Whitewater or Whitewater? Yeah, it's like, like White... Salem of Wisconsin. Yeah, like Whitewater really? has like. So I think oh, next next witch... season, next season, I want to do an episode about totally. Whitewater, yeah. and I want us to go I went to, to Whitewater. There, yeah. I know. I want us to go to Whitewater. Aw. It's so a neat little campus too. That's what I got. St. Asian's JFK Prep. I thought, like, I think it's just a fascinating history. I do too. Oh, it yeah. is so fascinating. I didn't know it any is. of that about the school and how prog- progressive it, it was. It was super progressive. Or how progressive Father Ashwald was. was. Yeah. yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And p- that Father Melvin, whatever his name is, like people, like in the comments I read, people adored him. Like mm. he was like super well liked. Like so somebody, crazy that... somebody, like somebody wrote that the cemetery there is haunted and somebody else wrote, no, it's not haunted. Father Melvin's buried there. You <laughs> know, so, so funny. Yeah, so it's super cute. It's just so crazy that you hear these rumors for so long that there was all this abuse that was happening there and that's why it's haunted and it's like, no, it was a totally yeah. positive There could have very well have been abuse there. Maybe, but uh, wouldn't that be documented? Somebody yeah. would have said. Well, you know, for the happened. longest time, for the longest time, the the it was the, the rumor was the suicide. But we found we'll find out later in next week's episode that that's true. Well, that, wasn't there something with the nuns having baby? And, and so, then, oh, the, one of the legends of it was that there's that Lake Oshwald that's behind JFK Prep, and I've never been to that. I look at it on Google Earth. When we were mm-hmm. there, there's like a path that leads down to Lake Oshwald, which is a little lake right behind. Yeah. And the rumor was that nuns were being raped by the priests and the babies that were born were thrown into the lake. That's horrifying. And that's a rumor. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so yeah, there's just so many dark rumors. People make stuff up to sensationalize. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it stems from probably the fact that there was an abandoned high school there, an abandoned church, you know. Haunted houses were conducted there. Yeah. Like actual touring haunted houses. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people just ran with that and made mm-hmm. made it into. So I, I understand why people in St. Asians are, especially people at JFK Prep, are edgy about teenagers coming into their, you know, coming onto their property. When when I wasn't there for the second night of the investigation, the second time, but that's when they actually had people break in, like teenagers broke in while our group was there <gasps> investigating. Oh my God. Because I think Matt talks about that on the website that they heard footsteps upstairs and they thought it was a ghost and it turned out that it was kids that 
broke into the building. That's such a like watching Destination Fear. Mm-hmm. Those are actually my favorite oh, episodes right. when actual people are yes. there because the adrenaline that they yes. must feel. Yes, yes, it's yes. It's also really scary. I wouldn't yes. want to run into that, <laughs> no. but people are scary. So there you go. Uh, I do have a song choice. Sweet. We, we do have a listener question Sweet. from Brad Medeiros oh, that we're going to ask oh, yes, in the right. I'll ask in the next episode because okay. I kind of want Mark and Ron to hear yeah, because that's, that's, a perfect, that's a good question. I for, did read it. Yeah, that's a good question for all of us. If you guys have a song choice, I do have one song choice. I do not. Okay. Uh, as usual, these are some YouTube comments about it. Somebody for this song that I'm suggesting today on YouTube writes, quote, I just turned 40 and I can't believe my favorite childhood band is evolved to such mature levels and is still together. It's so heartwarming. Somebody else writes, the album is sounding like a soundtrack to a late 2000s teenage rom-com and I'm totally here for it. (laughs) Somebody else writes, 15-year-old me is crying. It's a new song and new video, but it's still so nostalgic. And then this one, somebody writes, quote, my girlfriend absolutely hates this band. After playing this song a few times while driving around, she fell in love with the song. She asked me who sang it. I told her, now she's not speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the song. It just came out this week. And this is one of the, this is a band that I just love. Like, I've always loved this band. I think they're one of the forerunners of, I don't know if you want to call them emo bands or pop punk bands or whatever, but it is Taking Back Sunday. And the song that just came out this week, the video just came out, it is Amphetamine Smiles. Hmm. And it's like a slow song. And it's just so cool to see, like like they say, a band that, you know, like they were punk kids when they started, punky kids, and now they're like old, (laughs) basically. Older. Well, one of the, the (laughs) the first single that came off the album is called sold it's s apostrophe old and it's about sold but it's also being so old yeah you know so mm-hmm. like they're they're acknowledging like their age it's just really cool to see them still around still making music so it is the song amphetamine smiles by the band taking back sunday and i think that's it anybody got anything else before we end this episode and jump into our jfk prep investigation episode no, I'm excited for that. I, I, know. I yeah. love the let's, EVPs. Let's, I haven't let's heard that jump. in a while. We're gonna let's jump. jump. I have 20 <laughs> EVPs. They're not that great. Um, the one that Mark got, obviously, is the best EVP I think we've ever gotten on an investigation. Mm-hmm. And everybody, the thing is, you guys, the strangers listening to this that have listened to this for years have heard most of these already. But again, it's going to be for people that are, are new to the, are like searching JFK Prep and they're like, oh. These schmucks made a podcast about it. I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> or they'll get to listen to all the evidence in one JFK. place. So jump into our deets. Jump into the deets. Our deets are, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, X, whatever you call it. I don't even know anymore. Why yeah, do we even mention it? it? We're we not are, on... <laughs> we are. Krista I haven't does, touched that in no. a couple of years. Krista just does a great job on Instagram where we are the strange sessions. I would you, like to mention I'm deleting my personal Instagram account. Like what? I've already put the request in, what? but they make it really hard for you. They deactivated me and they're going to give me a month to, to change decide my whether mind. you want to go back. And oh, then my. they'll permanently delete all my stuff. I, I, di- just, I strongly dislike it. Instagram ever yeah. since Meta over bought it. it because now it's like... 90% stuff from other things that I don't subscribe to right. with a handful of ones that I do subscribe yeah. to. So it's getting super frustrating. So I'm only on there th- through the podcast now. 
You can send postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. was all excited yesterday when I opened it up and saw something, and it turned out to be a flyer from Fleet Farm. Thanks, Fleet Farm, for listening. You can call our lonely phone line. We did actually just get another message. We have two messages there. I got to download and play those. Have you, you can... heard them? Have you listened to them? Yeah, and I totally forgot to mention them on oh. here. Uh Sure, people are calling our lonely uh, voicemail and yeah, you're ignoring I'm, it. I'm the one neglecting our <laughs> our voicemail. Yeah, we actually have, well, Brad yelling at me for not doing his topic he wanted. And Josh Arthur. Oh, Josh, he's asking, a long time listener. Asking about doing uh, Strange States, which we'll do next Oh, season. sweet. Okay. So you can call. I, I get a message that there's a message there. I just haven't listened to it. Um, it could be and, like a bajillionaire that's like, guys. I want to sponsor you and do this full time. Yeah. I'll pay for everything. And then I don't answer. And they're like, well, I'll with you then. Equipment. Heck with you then. Or you can, if you have a listener story, you can send it to thestrainsessionstories at gmail.com. Have you checked that email? No, I, not, I have not checked that lately. Or, so or millionaires there probably. How about a place to investigate? If you know. Yeah. Well, we we're, we want to get, we'll jump into that in the next topic, but we want to get back into doing investigations. Yeah. Big time. Uh but yeah, I want to well, get back to the Sheboygan Asylum and actually spend time in the nurses' wing. That was so disappointed that we. Well, remember one of our loved, Coleman. much loved listeners, Coleman, offered to talk, pay talked for about it. paying for a, like an individual like solo where it can just be a group. group. Like Blaine, Blaine and his group really want to come, but it's just like a couple people too. But I want to do a group investigation with Blaine and his yeah, group. Yeah. You know. Oh, they can invite us anytime. Yeah. No <laughs> yep. So we're going to talk more about that next weekend. So I think that's it for this week. <laughs> next so, weekend. My, which is just going to be five, five minutes, minutes from, from now. now. <laughs> so, Mark and Rhonda, thanks for joining us. We hope you can join thanks us for, for next us. weekend's <laughs> episode. You. Well, I think we could I think be you guys can squeeze that in. Sure. Since Kurt <laughs> so, drove you here today, you're, right? you're basically on it. I got to wash my mouth, though, and I can't handle the chicken anymore. You want another one? There's more. There's more. I'm just looking at your used one on the. Oh, that was just that was foul. That was foul. How long was this? How long was this? Hour and forty-eight minutes. Okay, I don't think we. I think pushing. I think it would have been pushing way it. too long. And the thing is, I hate feeling like I'm rushed. Yep. Like I want the EVPs you don't want to rush that are mostly cycled three times, so it's going to be a little longer. I want us talking about the EVPs, and I don't want to be like, let's get Rushing. going. This is going to be. A, yeah, we got to get this episode done. So I'm really glad that we split this into two episodes. Totally. Me too. So coming next weekend, our JFK prep investigation and evidence. So from yeah. Krista, Rhonda, Mark, and myself down in the strange cellar. Until next time, stay strange. strange.